Hello and welcome to another episode of Stream Wars, our thought leader series, where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the convergent TV space. Hosted by Michael Beach. Today, I'm joined by Ashwini Karandakar. Ashwini is currently Executive Vice President of Media Technology and Data at the Forays. Before that, she was a global president at Amnet, which is part of the Dentsu Aegis Network. Along with the four A's, Ashwini has served on several boards, including MediaMath, IOTA, and MIQ. Please enjoy my conversation with Ashwini Karandakar. Ashwini, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Pleasure being here. Absolutely. Well, kind of uh, what you start off, just give us kind of background on your career and how you ended up where you are today. Sure. Um, I am... Um... I'm going to age myself, date myself. I'm an industry veteran. <laughs> uh, I've been around the advertising marketing um, ecosystems for a, for a while now. So um, way back when I was um, at a few startups, then I joined um, an agency that Dentsu bought, Aegis bought. And I ended up starting Mnet for them. Uh, Mnet is Dentsu Aegis's programmatic group. And so um, started it, took it to about 50 plus countries, had a blast building that business and traveling the world. Um, just before COVID, I transitioned out and I joined McKinsey for a while. Um, I knew Marla from before, Kaplowitz. And so when she mentioned uh, this opportunity to lead the media technology and data practice for the forays, I I could not refuse. So uh, it's now been a year, just under a year that I've been at the forays leading this practice and having a fantastic time doing it. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, get an opportunity to, to obviously have a, you know, kind of real deep understanding of one agency, but now getting to work with so many groups, it's got to be uh, uh, exciting and a good learning curve. It's 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 definitely very intriguing. Um, I think the time and space that we are in right now is so fast moving with so many things happening at the same time, uh, and it all all of them directly affect people. End of day, no matter which side of the equation you sit on, or sit at, or sit on, or work in, um, that I I love being. Um, in this vantage point, having built businesses before, I fully, completely understand what an independent agency is probably going through. Um, and having lived at an uh, at a holding company for so long, I get that side of the business as well. Um, I think technology is probably the biggest equalizer of our time, and so figuring out, you know, how different um constituencies within the space that we live in interact react collaborate it's a it's a great time to be here is all i can say <laughs> yeah so well, yeah for, i'm sure a lot of our groups familiar with the four a's but would you mind giving us kind of background who the customers are kind of what the problem they solve is yeah yeah definitely um the four a's is actually a is a very well established very old organization so it was set up in 1917 um, essentially to help promote and advance the interests of uh, member agencies. Um, currently, we serve more than 600 members, um, and I think we account for over 85% of the 
US advertising spend that we are able to um, either interact with or have some uh, contribution towards. Um, what is not very well known uh, is that the forays also includes the forays benefits division, which ensures more than um, 160,000 uh, employees. Um, we have a very uh, robust forays foundation that advocates for um, multicultural talent uh, within the industry. Um, I think um, like, like everything else, the forays are sort of evolved with the with the space as well, where uh, at all times, you know, we are always at the forefront defending and advocating for agencies. The nature of agencies has evolved from where it was pure servicing, pure media buying, pure TV buying, to now pretty much anything to do with anything to do with con with consumers. Um, and so the um, something that we have been very diligent and honestly, I'm very proud of the way the forays helped agencies deal with and navigate the whole pandemic was helping with uh, legal uh, questions, helping with, you know, do you go back to the office? Do you not? What is the meaning of an office? What is the meaning of culture? What is the meaning of talent? How do you really hire? How... Um, how do you uh, expand the products and services that you offer? Um, and again, like I said, it all end of day affects everyone at a very personal level. So um, the forays is kind of in it for all of these different reasons and has been doing this for a very long time. I actually what? have a question for you, Michael. Yeah, far away. Um, similar, like, Crossstream Media, it's such a cool um, uh, business. I think right time, right place where we are currently. I'm, I'm curious about you, meaning how did you, um, how, how did you arrive at where you are at? How did you think about the idea of Crossstream? What was the genesis of Crossstream overall, Crossstream Media? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I've kind of had three big, um, Kind of work periods in, in my career you know the first um you know, i worked in direct marketing uh for a long time and you know primarily in kind of u.s politics and oh. you know we we were uh really on the cutting edge of having you know we basically had a crm file of every every customer in the united states we wanted to target and we were kind of unique in that regard uh, and saw a the intersection of digital and that kind of data being the future and this is in the you know late 2000s uh, so started an agency, you know, kind of focused on that space and, and kind of also corporate advocacy. And, um, you know, we kept running into challenges where, um, you know, how do you, how much do you allocate to digital? And you know, this is the early 2010s, uh, you know, versus linear and, and kind of other, other formats. So we started to build out some technology around answering that question for our agency. And, you know, it was really, you know, an interesting uh, interesting challenge, right? Because you had to combine, you know, your digital data sets with, you know, set-top box data and, uh, you know, all these things that, you know, 2013 and 14 and 15 were were kind of newer and more cutting edge than they are today. Um, and then really saw that it was tough to build in one agency, right? I think that was a light bulb went off that all that capital expenditure for one agency was really tough because yeah. you, um, and so, you know, spun that technology into a separate company, exited the agency, 
and really our initial you know go to market was to other small regional agencies that um were probably smaller than we were we were about 140 people at the time and and uh really gave them a huge advantage in the market to now offer you know all video together under one roof and and uh we've kind of gone from there it must have been such a cool journey like where video was forever was just what you saw on your tv screen mm-hmm. and now suddenly last 10 years there isn't a single device that does not have video of some sort yeah it's a, i mean a really interesting challenge and you know and it's only growing right because yeah. even you know we we focus so much on the allocation and the where the the dollars get placed but um what creative to make is even a, a big question, right? Like, you you know, something like TikTok now that's really gaining a lot of steam. Um, you know, it's a completely different video format than uh, you would have needed before. And so that's, you know, either on the agency or the brand, more effort. And I think those, those are, uh, I think today it's more complicated than it was five years ago. And five years ago, it was so much more complicated <laughs> before that. And I, I don't see that trend stopping. So Yeah, yeah. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit scary. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah no absolutely yeah good job security for all of us though yeah uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah but you know one thing you know measurement's a huge area on the video front for our customer base are you, are you seeing the same thing yeah so um measurement has always been a big question i think over the last uh 12 to 24 months with everything that's happened on with with nielsen and with just broad measurement. Um, I feel like the whole space is sort of back in play and in, in, in flux. To some extent, we are... So there's been a lot of chatter around multiple currencies, single currencies, whatever else. I think multiple currencies are sort of here to stay. Uh, for those of us who came into this from the digital side, multiple currencies was always a fact that you took into account and then figured out how to normalize it or map it against some base currency, if you will. Um, currently, by and like at, at, a, at a broader scale, this sort of sync uh, measurement um, diversify, if you will, into what I call the vertical and the horizontal, meaning a siloed base, meaning one, one TV network pick one measurement provider and it works for them. And so that almost becomes like a vertical solution. But then for a marketer or an agency, you still need to connect the dots across multiple verticals, if you will. And so there, it's it's not just one or the other, it has to be both. And I think to some extent, the newer measurement companies, Samba, Innovate, VideoAmp, et cetera, they are, they are definitely leading the way in this verticalization if you will but uh, at at a at an agency or an, or a marketer level you you still need to be able to bring it all together um, and so we we are seeing this happen i think there's a there's also a growing need for some sort of uh, verification accreditation what mrc offers because um even if different providers offer you different measurements you still have to sort out you know how it matches to the broader ecosystem mm-hmm. um 
lots and lots of moving parts and pieces for sure. Um, the Forays does extensive work with the ANA, with SIM, with our agency partners, uh, with 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 you, Crossfit Media, in trying to figure out what's a good framework for anyone to follow. And I um, I think once you get to the local level, the questions and the potential problems sort of exponentially um, multiply uh, because each market is its is, is a is a universe in itself, and so and then you have to connect it all. So um, lots, lots and lots. Yeah, what are, I mean, you know, that's the world we live in. It's local. What what are kind of dive deeper on that? The challenges specifically for local. Um, um, maybe this is a converse. I I would actually love your insight into this because you because Crossing Media lives so much into in in the local space and provides such a key offering that uh, local markets need. I, I think the the challenge, I don't know if it's a challenge or if it's just access to data overall, you know, local is restricted by, by, by geography. And so what they see and what they're able to measure and how they're able to make sense of what they're seeing to some extent is restricted by the market that, that they're in. And so to some extent, I think there's a need for better big data analysis to kind of feed in the trends that any local market can then use to make to give some context to what they are seeing in in that given market, uh, and then being able to stitch it all together to make it make sense of the numbers at a regional or a, or, a, or a national level. Um, in fact, uh, while I was thinking and preparing for this podcast, one of my questions for you was, was going to be, what is Crossgreen's view on um, multi-currency? Where do you think that's going? And in terms of the data sets that you see within um, local, or just the requests that you, 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 are, you are seeing within the local market, how have they sort of evolved over the last I'll say ten years, but you know, any any time period. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, we're I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, multi currency world. I mean, coming from a digital background, you know, even if people have different objectives, right? And I've always been kind of fascinated that um, you know, even every TV I do see has a different objective, and yet we kind of still use the same primary currency. I know there's a lot of advantages to scale uh, and things like that that the television has versus other mediums, but you know, we didn't really ever look at that like that was a, a deal breaker. And so the, the customer base that would naturally select us today are probably uh, right off the bat, they're okay with multiple currencies or alternative currencies. Um, they probably want to take a digital, more of a digital view of television. Um, you know, not fully digital, but they want to, you know, they look at both the same and uh, about 60% of the video spent on our platform is still on broadcast and cable television. Oh, wow. Uh, and the uh but they they want to figure out the you know reaching the target and everything else and even back to 10 years ago you know we would we built planning out first which is a little different than the most of the market everyone else has kind of built measurement out initially and um you know part of that was just the challenge of bringing it all together and especially when you were dealing with a multi-market plan that 
you know, we had two big insights. One, that media consumption against the exact same demo was dramatically different across markets. You know, I'm in Washington, D.C. If you looked at people in market to buy, you know, a Ford F-150 here versus in Charlottesville, Virginia, the consumption habits of those audiences Maybe. would be dramatically yeah, different. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing was that the well, the digital pricing was relatively similar. Like you maybe you'd find a you know three or five percent difference in CPMs between YouTube here yeah. and YouTube in Charlottesville. But if you looked at linear, you could see you know a hundred percent difference um, because their pricing is still so human driven. Uh, it's set in each individual market. You know the the CBS owner in. Charlottesville doesn't care about what NBC is charging in Washington, D.C. They care about what NBC is charging yeah, in Charlottesville. Yeah. And so you get these huge spreads. And so if you're using a kind of a national model to plan local with those two things, you know, consumption habits and pricing, your plan is going to be wildly off. And so we use those for a number of years and we would end up thinking, oh, well, we're going to get 800 points to the target in each of these markets. And we would get 1,300 in one and 700 in the other. Wow. And, um and so that, that was kind of the genesis for building out planning first. Um, and I think it's, it's served us really well up to this point. And so now I think the rest of the market's starting to figure out, well, you've got audience data, you've got, you know, uh, pricing history and all these things that a planning environment would have, um, you know, it, it creates a lot of stickiness with, uh, with the customer. And so, you know, that was kind of our, um, our worldview behind you know, doing planning first at the uh, local level. Yeah, I think I think that was smart, but I'm sure you would have to. Um, I'm I'm actually curious. If, what all did you have to do to make to get into planning? Because usually the path is the other way. Like you bring in data, you start reporting into reporting on it. You figure out some measurement framework, and then you move up up the chain to say, okay, wait, how did they plan this? Or what were the decisions that led to the buy that we are now measuring? Um, so what were all the, um, how many or what were the different data feeds that you had to take into account? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I mean oh, when we first built the product, you know, it was internally facing back in uh, 2013, we originally launched our first uh, kind of beta and uh, then it was set top box data was the first data set we had to bring in because, you know, our buying team used Strata to oh. um, actually plan out the yeah. buy, but that was, wouldn't work with a, a, a data set like Rentrack, yeah. right? When we're, we're targeting, it's a, and so we built a kind of a, a more advanced optimizer, but then the next thing became, okay, well, how do you deal with rates? How do you deal with avails? How do you deal with what actually happened? Um, if you're, end report is coming out of a, a product like Strata and it's in age and gender, but you put a plan together on the strategic target. Um, you know, you've got a lot of data analysis work. And so those became the first pieces that we put together and then realized that, um, you know, a lot of those really needed to be in one place, right? Those were all individual steps that we were doing as a service. Yeah. So when we launched cross screen media, uh, you know, we took about nine months to kind of rebuild wow. everything and, and make that, as a kind of the core offering and also really help you answer the question on the front end, what do I need to do? You know, as opposed to uh, before, if you knew you wanted to spend, you know, $500,000 on broadcasts, we could tell you the answer to that question. But the minute it became, well, I've got $5 million to spend on video in these What's 10 markets. Do? Yeah, what do I yeah. do? That was a much harder. And that question, we crushed that today. That's in incredible journey. I think much, much valued and much needed, um, 
connector workflow, if you will. So that's very cool. Yeah, there's still, I mean, tons. You know, we're we've tried to stay really out of things that are in existing planning environments because a lot of our customers use, you know, MediaOcean or Strata today, and it, you know, it, we've got to be really, you know, careful with our resources yeah. that we don't uh, you know, duplicate anything. Yeah. So a lot of what we've done is is you know uh, an add on to what's already in the yeah. market. Huh. Uh, excellent. Well, what I, th I know we talked before, it sounded like uh, 4A's is working on a kind of a measurement report. Is that right? So, yeah. So, we are we are working on multiple measurement projects, if you will. Um, one, was, uh, one is around... Um, so, we, so, we have a very robust measurement committee that's, um, that is staffed with, if you will, the, the lead experts of measurement around, uh, across holding companies, large independents, and they live and breathe this whole question that we have been talking about for the last 10 odd minutes about bringing in multiple data sets, figuring out what actually uh, is, is um, what, what the data is saying and then how do you apply it back to either pl planning or then figuring out how to further curate your bias or what have you. Um, so, so there's that. We are about to launch into a project with the ANA and SIM around the um, the overall purpose and usage of multi-currency measurement systems. And our aspiration is to come out with some sort of framework. So, not not dictate the partners or providers. Instead, come out with a framework to say if. Assuming that multiple currencies are here to stay, but you still need to make sense of it all at the end of the day. Here, you know, what are some of the frameworks and or models that you could use? Um, so that we're about to get started with that. Um, obviously, in constant discussions with Nielsen, Comscore, um, and others, you know, for all practical purposes, Nielsen and Comscore are still probably the only two horizontal systems, the 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 connectors, if you will. And so, uh, while Nielsen sort of goes through its evolution and unveils Nielsen One, and Comscore goes through its product evolution, uh, we we are um, we're obviously always in touch with them to not only understand what they are planning, but then how does that impact agencies and in turn how will it how will it impact um, marketers so um, lots of lots of good work lots of moving pieces um, and i'm sure you you are seeing a lot of it because if, if i think did you share that side about if for 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 every one on national there are like 100 local and or how many ever like there's there's an exponential one to many uh, map if you will uh, yeah i think we, the model is uh oh. 800 video advertisers at the local level wow. for every one national video advertiser and so basically every media market which kind of makes sense right that you've got about 250 brands by predominant amount of national television, you know, maybe we're estimating about, you know, 1,250 that are your, your primary CTV 
uh, or, or national cable buyers. Um, and then uh, you've got almost a million uh, wow. video advertisers at the local level across the country. And it seemed really high, but in 2020, there were 3 million Facebook advertisers in the U.S., almost all those local. And so you can kind of really see how that would work. And that, that leads to every media market having more buyers than buy at the upfronts or anywhere else. And so the technology stack is, needs to really be totally different because it's, um, you know, I think we are the average video buyer at the local level buys $120,000 a year and versus tens of millions of dollars at the, the uh, national level. Uh, and we're, we're kind of trying to retrofit the same stack down and it's just not going to work. Yeah. So then how, how do you think multiple currencies are going to work in the local scenario? Meaning not only the digital multiple, which we are all sort of used to, but also just the overarching multiple currency uh, world that's sort of coming and going to affect all of measurement across the board. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like I feel like, you know, a lot of our customer base has been dealing with that for a long time. And, and they, you know, almost every one of them, for instance, is a Nielsen customer oh, okay. uh, and, you know, buys agent gender at the, at the local level. Um, Obviously, if they're not a Nielsen customer, the the station groups are all Nielsen customers. Many of them now are Comscore customers as well. Uh, and so they are getting a rating uh, or an estimate back from one of those yeah. two people. And they're just maybe going into our environment, figuring out, okay, well, you know, I want to target um, this auto audience. And I got a 35, you know, 18 to 49 year old adult target from the, the station, you know, the the guarantee may still be off that 18 to 49 year old adult, but our customers trying to figure out, okay, what program that all has the same 18 to 49 year old adult rating has the most auto intenders. Right. And so um, I know that's how we thought as an agency, like there's an asymmetric information opportunity yeah. here of, I have the, the Nielsen numbers and the strategic number, the seller may only have one. Um, obviously we have sellers that are customers of ours because they're trying to have the same, yeah. advantage um so i don't really think it's a big deal uh i think the sell side would it serve them well to have multiple currencies as well because you know when they go into a buyer that you may may rely more on nielsen data than samba or somebody else it's it's good to know that vice versa when they go into the a group they know is using uh you know another provider's data if they don't price their inventory to that they're going to miss out on an opportunity because it's uh you know, the other t other sides probably yeah, look at both yeah. data sources. You're right. Everyone will have to become smarter about reading basic data sets and then figuring out how it sort of links together. Yeah. Um, what, uh, I guess one question on that, you know, what do you see? I mean, is that pretty common today? The other groups that they're using multiple, you know, data sets, um, you know, just like our customer base, or is that something unique to kind of oversee? Um, I think multiple data sets and multiple currencies is sort of becoming the norm. The question, honestly, is uh, A, what all do you want to pay for? Um, because are you then going to pay for Nielsen, Samba, Innovid, whoever else, et cetera, et cetera? And how are you going to end of day connect it back to the outcomes that the marketer is most interested in or, or publisher? Honestly, the measurement equation fall, falls on both sides, right? 
the the buy side is interested in measurement to figure out what impact did the media buy have on whatever outcome uh, they are wanting to achieve the sell side while while measurement is critical to figure out how to price the media i'm i'm sure they would also like to understand how their readers or their consumers or their uh, uh content consumers are 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 interacting with their content and so um we 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 we're seeing this across the board um the the buy side has been a bit um not not necessarily slower probably more deliberate in trying to figure out how to respond to the multiple currencies that are coming to market now and i and i think you 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 you'll hear a lot from the buy side in terms of cost in terms of validity in terms of you know being able to benchmark the numbers for what they really are um and end of day being able to connect them to a, to desired outcome so um i think you you have a you have a cool vantage point meaning you you're seeing the data as it is coming in and you're actually being able to see the trends as they come in um many of the agencies have created their internal measurement tools to do to do something similar like analyze and synthesize the data that they see and then end of day try and connect it to the desired outcome um across the board Yeah, one of the things we get feedback on a lot of your perspective is is just the business model as well of if and I know this is something we struggle with as an agency before you know who's going to pay for this um uh, how do we pass this along you know is it the marketer that uh signs up for a data source and the agency has to use it is it the agency signs up for it and it becomes part of working media uh or, or you know similar thing what are you what do you see in the business model? Oh, um, that's a great question and I've I've, I've been on multiple sides of this of this conversation in the past um ideally i think um it's best for the marketer to own the contractual relationship um agencies also have their own proprietary uh measurement solutions or 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 data synthesis solutions um the the models uh that have been proposed and many of them that actually work pretty well based on what the two parties are most interested in could be hybrid could be a subscription fee plus a dedicated um team that helps with you know strategic questions or 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 um big data questions if you will it could be um completely managed service meaning here's all my data please make sense of it and just give me back the output uh we i've i've seen all of them work and i and and i think to some extent it completely depends on what the the two parties in that given contract what their goals are because uh in in reality many of the um, marketers and, adver- and and agencies don't necessarily have the uh infrastructure especially now with so much data being generated and being um being sent back to them to to not only synthesize it but then to analyze it 
And so, um, as long as the um, as long as the infrastructure is taking into account all the privacy needs, meaning there's no personal information that's that's being leaked or shared without consent or what have you, it may it may be just fine to work with a partner who manages all of this for you. Uh, so I've 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 seen multiple models. They all work or don't work based on what the two sides thought they were getting into. Um, the 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 common theme in all of this is there's a there's a serious requirement for both sides to be legitimately educated educated on what what all of this like data for the sake of data is kind of. It's just table stakes. I, I I I remember being in conversations where said marketer had sales data from ten years ago. That data is potentially useless if you don't carry those products, right? And so I remember seeing that data, and I was like, "There are many products in this in this set that you don't carry anymore. You don't sell anymore. So why are you carrying this data around with you?" What is it that you're wanting to get out of it? Um, they didn't know either, and someone had just told them, you know, having data into the as far as possible is a is a good thing. Sometimes it's just a cost uh, that you're bearing without realizing what to do with it. And so I um, I think the I think the need to have just basic understanding and or education on data sets so you you don't need to be a programmer or a coder but you, you definitely need to know what to do with the terabytes of data that you're going to get um another and it's probably my my pet peeve but um about four or five years ago uh someone started this trend about wanting log files of all sorts Sure, but what will you do with those log files? Because that's simply a timestamp record of what happened whenever it happened. And somehow this notion that, oh, if if I get terabytes of log files, there's some magic bullet in there. There is not. And so um, I, th I, think, I think there is, out of all of this, probably what is becoming more and more obvious is that, A, there's real need for real understanding of what you want to do with the data sets b there there is real requirement for marketers and agencies to work with each other because agencies by by definition specialize in all these different facets marketers have to focus on their business whether it's develop you know creating a product selling the product developing markets what have you and i think there's need for sophisticated um partners such as yourselves to really help bring all this information together in one place so that then whoever is the user does not have to spend hours just pivot tabling everything and then not knowing what to do with it so i i think um, i think we we are seeing all, all of this happen and it 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 to some extent, it's a big positive for the agencies because, you know, agency talent is trained to understand these different um, facets all at the same time. And so 
I think we have, I think the partnerships are going to be good overall. Yeah, and I love the uh, log file example. That's something we've seen rise up as well. And um, even now how, you know, some uh, DSPs or ad servers like, you know, give free access yeah. and others charge quite a bit because um, I think they're having the same question, like kind of this is a, uh, there's definitely a cost. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's cost to storing, there's cost to um, investigating, there's cost to analyzing, there's cost to um, recommending, um, it all, e even if you say it's, you know, it's a machine doing all of it, someone has to train the machine to understand all that data. So yeah, there's all of, all of this can be a cost if you don't know what you're doing with the data. It could be a fabulous asset if, if it's a, if it's a feed into something bigger and better overall. Excellent. Well, if we have this conversation, you know, a year from now, what's one prediction that's uh, kind of under the radar? I have, I have many. <laughs> um, oh, great. Well, you know me, I, you know, I have many opinions about everything under the sun. But um, in, in terms of predictions, I, I think, um, I think one year from now, we are still going to be working with Nielsen as a measurement. Uh, connected, if you will, uh, with with better data feeds from other partners, but this notion that Nielsen is going to be gone, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I think at a at a at a even macro, even more macro, if if that's possible level, we are seeing we are seeing gaming as the entry into um, better media planning, better media. Uh, better media activation to some extent, better consumer um, sentiment analysis. Um, and so measurement for games, it will be a whole different ball of wax that we'll have to sort out because um, gaming is a very active sport for, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word. And so in that case, you know, how do you really make sense of uh, of the 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 gamer's intent other than what you're actually seeing in terms of the game or the game that he or she's playing um i would say uh, a year from now probably these two things we'll still all be talking about what the metaverse is really about is it real is it not real is it one thing is it 10 things um who knows but Measurement and gaming, uh, we, we, we also uh, covered gaming extensively during our decisions conference and the, the trend is sort of leaning towards that. It's, it's, it's more, um, there's more uh, purposeful activation, um, but which also means that the user is very clear about what they really want to do in that game. And don't want to be bothered by any with anything else. So, so it'll be it'll be interesting. What do you think? Of yeah, I love the gaming one. There's a, a company, uh, Anzu, that just raised um, a decent amount of money last yeah. week. That's in kind of in-game ads, and I think you know you, uh, you feel like there's definitely some scale there now. That, that that's going to be a big big area. And I mean, measuring attention. I mean, obviously, it's going to be eyes on screen, but 
uh, did they see your ad or did they, uh, I think will be a, a more complicated yeah, problem yeah. video. And maybe what, do you have a prediction that no one is thinking about just as yet? Or? Oh, um, I'm really interested to see the May uh, Nielsen gauge It'll be the first yeah. time they've had it for a year straight because it's kind of gone up and down. And, um, you know, that's been interesting because, you know, when it comes out, the streaming people are kind of you know, beating their chest that uh, you know, streaming is going to take over. And then the fall hits <laughs> and NFL comes back and college football and broadcast you know, and cable creep up. And um, so I'll be really interested to see that first uh, year over year comparison um, that they have, because I think, you know, it, it's kind of some of your Nielsen answers that nothing's going to re yeah. replace anything overnight, but the blend is going to get more complicated, right? That, that uh, and, and that's the world we're going to live in for the next 10 years. I think everyone's kind of looking for this, this binary outcome of we're all going to streaming overnight or, you know, we're all doing linear and it's like, no, we're going to be in the, in the middle. And I mean, even when we look at our, our customer plans, you know, it's, it's rare to ever see 60, less than 60% of the reach coming from a group that gets advertising from both digital and linear, linear, the linear only and the digital only is, are the, usually oh. the two smallest buckets and the biggest is almost always in the middle. Now it could be, you know, 90% uh, of your, your frequency came from linear and 10% from digital, but it's the fact that the consumer yeah. is getting it both places at some point. And I think that's only going to grow. Like we're probably just starting to see where, you know, that will be the biggest pie. And then maybe people start to go streaming only. Uh, but I feel the same way about, um, about it. Yeah. You know, consumption. Lots more work. <laughs> yeah. And I think you see it down in the networks, like you, your, you know, your NBCs and your CBSs, they talk more about that now that they have a streaming offering yeah. than they did before when they were linear only there, you know, it's, you can find our content in other place. And so. I have a last question. What our audience uh, always looking to build the reading list. What should our uh, audience be reading to understand uh, kind of video measurement and then really local specifically? Uh, the, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the obvious, you know, there are plenty of media publications at the national level, local level, marketer level, agency level, um, ad age and ad week and drum and exchanger, ad exchanger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would say though that the currently and probably henceforth, there is so much information, good information, good insights coming from non-traditional uh, sources, the, the creator economy, what do you see within just general uh, talent pools? What do you see within the whole AI ML discussions? Um, in the past, they would all be very nicely bucketed, right? AI ML, only if you're a coder, go in there. Otherwise, don't, don't worry about it. Right now, there is, there is so much, um, technology is having such a broad impact on everything that is uh, is happening now and in the future that uh, my recommendation would be to, you know, obviously read the big established publications, but also uh, follow any topic that may interest you in terms of media creativity, media types, uh, the impact of tech on me media production, on measurement, on um, 
the intersection of local and national um etc 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 like i i can't keep up with um many 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 people use twitter as a good source um that's not a bad source but it all depends on whom you're selecting to follow uh, so i would i would say uh, cast as wide a net as you would like um because i don't i don't find information sort of bucketed anymore it's just it's there um and it and it depends on either what application you want to uh like are you are you trying to apply all this all the all the stuff that you're reading about towards retail media or is it for a marketer or is it for a storefront or is it for local point of sale it all it all depends on the application to some extent so it's a very long winded answer to say read as much as you can <laughs> there there is not a single source anymore yeah, excellent well, I appreciate your time, and I know our audience is going no, to love this conversation. thank you for inviting me, so and um, I think it's always fun to chat with you about what's coming next, for sure. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Wars. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find out more about cross-screen media at crossscreenmedia.com. Please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, State of the Screens. You can find us on social media at Cross Screen Media. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.